The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. We have an interesting topic this morning at P.I.'s Declassified. What should you do if you believe you're being stalked? And how how do you protect yourself from workplace bullying or workplace violence? How can you travel more safely overseas? And how can you recognize the warning signs of violence? All of these important questions will be discussed by seasoned private investigator Candace Tall. Candace Tall is the CEO of Infertal Worldwide, which is a security and investigations company founded in 1985 to serve the emerging security needs of industri- industries, including banking, High technology, life sciences, biotech, nonprofit organizations, and international law firms. Candace is a licensed private investigator and she works with multinational corporations and specializes in strategic corporate, corporate business investigations for mergers and acquisitions. And her company provides due diligence, expanded due diligence to corporations and nonprofit organizations to project both boards of directors and companies in compliance uh, with federal regulations. Candace has a BS degree and a master's coursework in science. She holds memberships in the World Association of Detectives, where she is a board member. She's a member of the American Society for Industrial Security, ASIS, National Association of Chiefs of Police, National Council of Investigation and Security Services, and the Society of Human Resources Managers. Our topic today is personal security. Don't ignore the warning signs. Good morning, Candace. Good morning, Francie. Thanks for being with me this morning. We've known each other for a number of years, and I know a little bit about your background, but uh, how long have been, you been a private investigator? Well, I've been in this industry for, let's see, about 26 years now. A long time. <laughs> a long time, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're licensed in the state of California, correct? That's correct. And when you first started out in the private investigation business, what did you do the same kind of work or was it something different? Um, mostly did the same types of work. Um, workplace violence wasn't um, quite the issue that it is today, of course, uh, back in the, in the early to mid-80s. Um, we did a lot more sting and undercover operations for, for companies at that time. Um, mm-hmm. So it's changed a little bit. I think um, over 25 years, every business changes quite a bit. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And and so I'm curious, did you always want to be a private investigator or was it something that never even was on your radar? Um, I think in the 
it depends how far back you go, of course. When you're when you're a youngster, you're not thinking about too far into the future. Um, but it be, it came on the radar really in 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 the early 1980s, and um, really developed that from there into something much more than we ever thought it would be at the time. Now, I know uh, people are going to be interested in your accent because you have such a nice accent uh, to listen to. You were not born in the United States. That's correct. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for the compliment. I was born in London Uh and um, have lived here, though, for over 30 years now. So we can consider you almost born in America. That's right. (laughs) Almost a native Californian. (laughs) All right. So... Tell me, Candace. Um, let's you know. Let's just talk about um, this personal security business. Mm-hmm. You um, you work a lot in workplace violence areas. That's correct, and business risk mitigation as well. And business what? I'm sorry. Risk mitigation. Risk. Okay. And how do you protect yourself um, against workplace violence? Tell me. Give me some parameters. What what you should do. Um. Well, we're going to talk uh, extensively today, I guess, about um, what people can do to help themselves to and to really understand and recognize what are some of the warning signs. It's, as you can imagine, it's a pretty serious topic. Um, so we're going to look at ways to identify and effectively, more effectively at least, deal with those issues and to really recognize what are the early warning signs um, it's a very complex topic in terms of how people react to it. Uh, a lot of people are in denial, of course. Uh, they observe issues in the workplace, but they don't necessarily know what to do, how to escalate those issues. Um, also at home, it's not just uh, in the workplace any longer, of course. We mm-hmm. have domestic violence that spills over into the workplace. And today, of course, uh, employers, particularly in the U.S., are mandated to provide a safe and secure workplace for employees. So we have this sort of combination of, on the one hand, it's a very serious topic. On the other hand, uh, people go along in their daily lives and often either don't observe or notice issues, you know, uh, a co-worker may be steaming off or venting off. Um, that's what they think the situation is, but actually... That person uh, may be having other more serious issues going on in their personal lives. And so the situation boils and boils over until the point where uh, we get a phone call to come in and help the company sort out the problem. And so th- so you're talking about somebody who's having a, a violence issue at home. Yeah. Uh, in some cases, domestic violence does spill over into the workplace. And we've, we've had certain many, certainly many cases like that where uh, a person is being uh, uh, threatened at home and then the perpetrator, it may be their spouse or it may be uh, someone else that they're in a relationship with, uh, begins threatening them at work. And we've had situations where people showed up in the workplace with a weapon Mm -hmm. to carry out their threat. And that becomes very, obviously, uh, life-endangering and certainly for co-workers as well. So, let, I mean, we're going to talk about uh, something that initi- is initiated in the workplace, but let's let's pursue this a little bit further. So, if um, if somebody is involved in a domestic violence situation of some sort, mm-hmm. and 
tell me what the steps would be. What should they look for and then what should the company do? Um, well, certainly in domestic violence, the person needs to uh, let their supervisor or manager know as, as soon as possible that they're having that type of a serious personal issue. And, of course, that can be done in confidence. Um, lots of times pe- uh, people feel very vulnerable, particularly women. It's not only women uh, that have domestic violence issues. That's true. Um, and so men are often even more ret- uh, reticent to bring that to the attention of a supervisor or a manager. But certainly we do see that type of issue um, frequently. Unfortunately, the other type of issue we see um, is a case where a person may be going off the medications and they're starting to act out. Their, their, their psychological profile is deteriorating because they're not taking uh, the medications they normally take to behave in, in a more acceptable, normal manner what people consider normal. <laughs> right. Whatever right. that is, right, today. <laughs> right, for sure. Um, but anyway, the um, so domestic violence often comes up when, when the person uh, notifies the supervisor or manager. That's the first step. And then it's up to the uh, company to really make a determ- an, an initial determination of what steps they should take. However, I would say that that is the best place for... Um, if there are uh, listeners out there on, on this call right now that are in human resources or uh, managers or supervisors in companies, the best thing to do, the sooner that they can contact a workplace violence specialist, the better. Um, it, that's a time where at least you can have the preliminary conversation of what do we need to do and how critical is the situation uh, so that the company can perform a threat risk assessment uh, to, to determine what level of threat is involved. And we'll get into that in, in a few minutes. Okay. Uh, as you know, with, um, uh, I don't have the figures for domestic violence specifically right in front of me, but, um, we know that there are over 2 million incidents per year in the U.S. of workplace violence. And those, that's not necessarily deaths from workplace violence. Deaths from workplace violence fatalities are ranging between 600 to 1,000 per year, which is, is still very high. And Candace, when you're, uh, those, do those stats include the schools that where we've seen the violence at in well, the past you know, couple of years? Isn't that interesting? It's a great question, Francie. With 2 million incident, incidents of workplace violence, of course, that's in the adult arena. Um, we see about 2 million incidents of bullying in schools annually that mm-hmm. are re- actually reported bullying. So it's the more serious form of bullying at schools. So very, very, it's an almost identical figure. So, um, and beyond that, we see an additional, in terms of stalking, because that's one of the topics we'd like to get to uh, this morning as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3.4 million people, both men and women, are stalked annually over the age of 18. That's astonishing. So very high figures, very, very high figures. And for, for those listeners that might be tuning in from other parts of the world, the overall crime statistics in the U.S. are 37 million crimes per year. That's all types of crime. Hmm. So we know that the world is a dangerous place. <laughs> That's for sure. It now, certainly is. And it, sometimes it feels like it's getting more dangerous. Do you know, but, Candace, if uh, other countries track 
uh, workplace violence like we do in the United States? Um, they probably do because there are a lot fewer incidents. Um, but I don't think they necessarily track. It, it depends on the country, of course. Of course. I'm, I imagine uh, some of the countries, uh, like, for example, Europe, um, would be tracking um, bullying and uh, other similar statistics. And, of mm-hmm. course, in Australia, they've just passed an anti-bullying legislation. Really? So bullying has become uh, a crime, actually, in Australia. Well, we've had so many in the past, say, two or three years, we've had so many incidents of uh, youngsters, teenagers committing suicide over bullying they've received at school. It's mm-hmm. very sad. Yes, it is. It is. We, I just uh, gave uh, a presentation similar to the one today a few weeks ago. We, we ran a survey um, and found that 40% of the people listening to that particular show had experienced, had directly experienced threats, threatening behavior in the workplace. 40%. 40% of all the professionals on that, tuning into that show. So, um, that just gives you an example of how prevalent it is today to encounter threat, threats in the workplace. I have a question about that, why you think that is happening, but let's take a quick break. Candace okay. will return shortly with private investigator Candace Tall. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. 
We're discussing the warning signs of violence with California private investigator Candace Tall. Candace, uh, you were just, um, I was just going to ask you, what are the commonalities that you look for where there's a, a threat assessment or somebody that you think could be violent? Um, that's a great question, Francie. Um, the typical profile that we see, uh, particularly in workplace violence, would be that of um, a loner, a person that's socially self-isolating. Uh, we do look for, of course, the history of violence. Have they have they done anything violent in the past? Um, we'll talk about that a little bit further along mm-hmm. when we're uh, referencing background checking. And, you know, someone that sympathizes with known acts of violence, oh, they deserved what they got, you know, mm-hmm. if in reference to a recent shooting uh for example, we see, we hear a lot of that. Um, the person uses direct or indirect types of threatening statements, uh, whether they're veiled or direct threats. You know, um, I'm going to kill you uh, at six o'clock on Friday, or I'm going to come over to your workplace and kill you in front of your coworkers. That's a very specific and direct threat. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's the highest level of risk um, that we uh, hear about in advance, and we would want to then. Uh, respond to that kind of situation immediately um, and do a professional threat assessment or a full threat assessment. And indirect types of threats, which would be, you know, I know where you live, I know where you work, I know where you take your kids to school, and you know what I want from you. That's Mm -hmm. an indirect threat. Uh, Both of which are serious. Um, Police will, um, you know, local law enforcement will be interested in, in hearing about threats like that, but they won't necessarily respond to uh, to a threat alone. So if a person shows up at your workplace with a weapon and is making threats, they will respond to situations like that. But oftentimes local law enforcement uh, may not have the capability uh, in terms of number of uh, responses needed. For every, for every workplace violence threat that you hear about, for example, there are thousands that you don't hear about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, None, none of the thousands of uh, threat risk assessments we've, we've performed or workplace violence uh, protection details that we've covered have ever hit the news, thankfully, um, and did not become active shooter situations. So in, in terms of the types of threats that you hear about that actually reach the news, the scary ones where someone's been shot, um, for every one of those there are thousands that are unreported. So back to the profile of the threatener, mm-hmm. uh, other um, things that we're looking for, the person's making bizarre statements or acting unusually, their behavior has changed, um, they harbor rage uh, or they're resenting specific individuals and that on its own is not uh, a threat, but in combination with some of these other traits could be. Um, often uh, a threatener will be a person that blames others for their performance mm-hmm. at work or for their personal situation at home. Those are the more subtle signs, aren't they, that are hard to identify? They can be, yes. They can be harder. Um, but sometimes they're, they're clear to identify also. Um, so the person is, has, has been blaming others for their performance situation for several months. That's typically what we find. Mm-hmm. It's not a one-time situation or a casual kind of situation. It's it's a, a definite trend or theme of behaviors. 
Uh, indications of new or increased stress. Um, a lot of times threateners are people that have, they're under serious financial pressure or perhaps they're going through a divorce, maybe a messy, very messy divorce or child custody issues. And they have some of these other factors going on. A history of violence, a fascination with bombs or weapons. Well, what comes to mind is, isn't it true that uh, many times the person doesn't have any prior history of violence in their background? Yeah, they may not have a prior history. It may be the first time that um, that that they've actually um, gotten to gotten the attention for the behavior that they're having. So there may, it may be a first time situation. Definitely, mm-hmm. that's not uncommon. Either. And I, oh, go on, sorry. And I, I was going to say, I was seems like it. It would also be. Um, people would have a tendency to rationalize or downplay their feeling of threat just because they know the person. They would never do anything uh, unusual or they would never do anything bad like, you know, mm-hmm. shoot somebody or hurt somebody. Uh, so people have a tendency to deny that there's a problem. That That's very common, unfortunately, because um, when you when people are in denial – um, these behaviors that are accumulating for the individual or the the, perp- the person that's going to perpetrate the crime uh, become an active shooter, in other words, or show up and make, and make threats at work. Um, their behaviors are, are accumulating and, and perhaps they're, they're sometimes crying out for help. They may be a person off medications, Again, uh, they need to get back onto their meds, but they feel good about themselves. And so their situation is actually deteriorating and they're, they're behaving, uh, they're acting out and, and unusual behavior and bizarre statements, for example, um, sudden rages, sudden outbursts of temper. Other people may be saying to themselves, oh, that's just John. He's, you know, he's always like that before he has a cup of coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But actually, there are more serious issues uh, sometimes that are, that are transpiring for the individual. So it's important not to overlook all these things. Um, another example of exactly what you've just mentioned is that, I don't know if you remember, a few weeks ago we had, um, or actually a few months ago, we had a shooting at a local quarry. And the the subject in the news, um, the um, news anchor had interviewed some of the um, neighbors of this Mm -hmm. individual, and they said what a great father he was Mm -hmm. and such a nice man, so on and so forth. Um, But actually, he was being disciplined at work because he had such uh, serious, aggressive behavior at work that they had actually, um, the union had elected to put him on a night shift. Um, Interesting. And he went in and shot three three of his co-workers dead, uh, put, blocked blocked an exit door so that other people couldn't escape, and told them, told all the co-workers that were present uh, early in the morning that he would be coming back to finish them off. Actually, the police were at the quarry trying to find the individual, when he had already left the site and had driven five miles away and was carjacking people uh, at one of the local Silicon Valley companies. Hmm. And so police were still looking for him at the quarry site. And yet, uh, as this was all transpiring, 
um, neighbors were being interviewed and saying what a nice guy he had been. And and it's always the case, isn't it? I mean, it's that's often. what we always hear on the news is I never anticipated this out of that person. Yes, exactly. And you know what comes to mind? It. I'm sorry. Uh, excuse me. I didn't mean to interrupt. What comes to mind is just here and locally. Uh, of course, this is California. Uh, locally on the news last night was a 14-year-old girl that got came home and found her mother and father um, dead, looked like a murder-suicide. I suspect, we don't have any details on this yet, but I suspect when the details come out that it will probably be a similar situation. Yes, sadly. Sadly. Um, that's often the case. Uh, other, other things that people may, be pay, may want to pay attention to, does the person have low self-esteem? Are they depressed? Um, particularly severe depression. We see that a lot in, in situations like the one you've just described, Francie, mm-hmm. uh, and particularly in murder-suicides. Um, the person has been depressed for some time, mm-hmm. and people will get used to them seeing them uh, in a depressed state of mind and may think, well, you know, they're dealing with it, but perhaps they're not dealing with it at all. And that happens in most of these situations. There, there's a degree of... Um, some type of personality disorder that's that's occurring and, and other friends and co-workers and family members often either don't know what to do about it, don't know who to, whose attention to get to, to get help in the situation, mm-hmm. or they think the person is just dealing with it uh, and that's part of who they usually are. And that's uh, often a mistake, unfortunately, for the people that end up um, being murdered by them or threatened. Um, another other signs uh, just want to mention to cover obsessive compulsive behavior, certainly suicidal tendencies that probably goes along with the one you just heard that mm-hmm. you just mentioned last night mm-hmm. um, and people that are agitated easily very very easily so those are some of the other um, kind of pro- profile issues to look at and of course there are always 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 warning signs for violence. And as we've just been discussing, oftentimes those are overlooked. But when we go back and look into these situations and when we're conducting threat assessments, we find that these symptoms and signs do uh, are there in the person's uh, past, the warning signs that we've just been discussing. Well, you know, Candace, I'm back to the the bullying issue, you know. Mm -hmm. You off, we often hear about situations where there be a, a school environment or a workplace environment where people are bullied and they, and they try to tell somebody and mm-hmm. find that people aren't listening. Exactly. That's a, that's a great point. A lot of times, you know, how, what do you do when no one's listening? And what, what do you do when no one's taking the situation seriously? Exactly. At work, I would say that you must, it's very important to escalate that um, concern that you have to a supervisor. If they're not, if your supervisor is not uh, responding on the issue, certainly escalate it to a manager, particularly if you see multiple signs that we've just discussed. Um, and in fact, that's one of the takeaways that I'll have for you at the end of the show will be um, a handout show it that highlight 25 red flag items mm-hmm. and if you see multiple sim- signs from these 25 flags 
um, certainly that it would, you would be justified in escalating the issue within your organization. Uh, if you're at home, uh, boundary setting is very important to set some boundaries at home. Uh, sometimes it's a teenage child that's, that's acting out. Um, there's a fine line between when, when bullying becomes something more. Uh, and, and what do you mean by setting, setting boundaries, Candace? Um, setting boundaries is letting people know that they, their behavior won't be tolerated. Uh, now, there are some situations, domestic violence is one of them, where boundary setting is, is definitely a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. And people, people in those domestic violence situations would want to contact some support groups or a crisis hotline for domestic violence. Um, Every country and every area has crisis hotlines today that can be contacted for support. Um, so boundary setting in the home is important, um, but getting assistance uh, specifically on how to do that is the best approach. At work, boundary setting is really letting the person know that they cannot cross certain boundaries. There's a zero, zero tolerance policy at, at work. Uh, most workplaces today certainly in the U.S., have um, a zero-tolerance policy for workplace violence or any kind of aggression in the workplace. So, you know, you bring up a really good point. When does office talk, when is it harmless and when is it harassing? Mm -hmm. You know, when does it go from non-threatening to a threatening situation? Certainly bullying uh, should not be tolerated. Uh, the person supervisor should be having a discussion with the person or a performance review where they're discussing why they cannot bully in the workplace, mm-hmm. uh, that signs of aggression are not ex- uh, accepted or tolerable. And well, you know, then beyond that, sorry, was, I'm sorry. I was, it just, I'm just thinking about uh, putting myself in this place. Mm-hmm. And by the time it... Uh, an individual situation escalates to where they feel like they're really being threatened. Mm-hmm. I can see where they would be seen as the problem, not the person that they're fearful of making the threats. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the signs that the supervisor or manager needs to, to evaluate initially are, is the behavior deteriorating? If the person that's reporting the threatening behavior uh, should be able to come to them with uh, some, some amount specifics. of evidence. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and document it. It should be documented. If you're observing that in the workplace and no one's paying attention, um, send an email to your supervisor and manager. Let them know as factually as you can what type of issues you're encountering. Hang on to that, Candace. Oh, hang sure. on to that thought because okay. this is really important. We need to take a break. PIC Classified will be right back with private investigator Candace Tall. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. 
For a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call one 800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. My guest today, Candace Tall, a seasoned private investigator, is discussing personal security. And Candace, you are making a really good point about documentation. What should they? What, if somebody's documenting either in an email or a letter or or a voicemail or whatever, what should they say? Well, they definitely need to be as factual as possible. Um, let the person the supervisor or manager or whoever it is, an executive in the company, know what kind of issues they they are witnessing. Um, any deterioration in behavior is important to note. Um, if threats are being made, what type of threats, and as closely as possible, verbatim if you can, uh, the, the wording of the threat. So, mm-hmm. you know, so we can d- tell, is it a veiled threat or a direct threat? How specific is the threat? Uh, I'm going to blow up a chemical plant on Friday afternoon during peak rush hour is a very, very specific threat Mm -hmm. to be taken very seriously. We actually had a case like that many years ago uh, with a PhD chemist who who wanted to blow up uh, a facility off of a busy freeway. Um, But oftentimes the the threats that people are are seeing in the workplace, of course, are are less specific than that. Mm -hmm. So be be as specific as you can about the, the wording of the threat by the person that's making the threat. Don't try to interpret what you think they're saying. And then uh, any evidence that you have. uh, If, let's say, uh, a person is infatuated with a supervisor at work, that could be male to female or female to male, it doesn't matter. Um, What are they, what signs are are they leaving you? Are they leaving you notes outside your office door every morning, 8 a.m., or flowers on your vehicle, or someone's broken into your vehicle? Put as many of the signs that you've seen uh, that are causing concern to you. 
into your email and then send that off to your HR person, supervisor, manager, or executive at your company. And but I just want to mention, Francie, that um, people often think this is only coworkers. Uh, we've had last in the last year alone, we had half a dozen executives who were threatening each other hmm. in t- in completely different uh, half a dozen different situations. Really. So it's not only coworker to coworker; it could be at any level in the organization, um, and, and even could, shareholder meetings. And it could be same-sex <laughs> relationships as well as, as heterosexual yes, relationships. Absolutely, it can be any type of relationship under the sun. <laughs> uh, we see anything and everything that's out there um, occurring. And I suspect um, keeping a journal might be helpful. Keeping a journal is helpful. Um, very specifically. Um, noting all the things that you are uh, that are causing you concern is a person intending to harm you or another worker. Uh, we actually had one case where a person was making threats that they would kill a co-worker with broken bottles, hmm. glass bottles, and they had a whole row of glass bottles around their cubicle. So it could be anything. Hmm. Uh, we had a, another situation where a, a female employee was uh, being terminated from employment at a company and she brought a small purse into the exit interview with a Saturday night special in, inside and she had 400 rounds of ammunition in her desk drawer. My goodness. So pe- it, it can be anyone and everyone. Uh, so, what, so how do you diffuse these situations, Candace? What, what kinds of things can be done? Um, well, there, there are a variety of things that can be done depending on the state the situation um, that comes up because they're all pretty much unique situations. Um, one thing is I, I mentioned the first step would be setting some boundaries for the person. Sometimes mm-hmm. people are stalking one another at work, uh, which can become a violent situation, uh, particularly if aggressive behaviors are increasing. You know, the person is, I mentioned earlier, leaving flowers outside the person's door at home. They found their supervisor's address, perhaps on the internet. Today, that's quite easy to do. Right. And they've left them flowers at the door. And then they start leaving things around the house, signs that they've been there. Um, perhaps their uh, romantic affections are not being returned. So um, that would be in stalking situations. So in threat situations, for example, um, if the person is being terminated for performance issues at work, mm-hmm. um, the diffusion techniques for violence there are slightly different. Certainly, having security present is a deterrent to violence. Right. Right. The person doesn't feel uh, as empowered to come in with a weapon if they know they're going to encounter a response. Now, there are some situations where the person does want that response. That's right. a little different. Death by uh, is generally colloquially called death by cop. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the quarry shooting incident. Um, that individual had thousands of rounds of ammunition with him in backpacks that he'd secreted in different parts of the city, and the police went after him, and and that's what he wanted to go out in a, pretty much in a hail of gunfire. Um, but in terms of diffusing violence at work in the workplace, it would be let's say the person is being terminated. And they're in severe financial pressure. One thing that a company can do is to offer them uh, a special benefits package that will help them to be uh, situated somewhere else. Because every threat of violence situation doesn't necessarily mean the person's going to go unacted out 
in the next uh, employment situation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the diffusion technique is to get uh, a psychiatrist involved. Sometimes we have to do a 5150 or an involuntary mental uh, evaluation, uh, psychiatric evaluation to help a person get back on medications. And that's actually a diffusion technique where we uh, will help to the client to get the person evaluated um, to get back onto medications. Uh, and that, that can be a very helpful technique. Um, some situations, uh, terminating the person with dignity is very important. Um, not just getting the person kicked out the door, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, helping them to move on in life, uh, to get, um, perhaps some career counseling mm-hmm. to help them get themselves back on their feet to neutralize the, um, the anger and angst that they're going through on a personal level. So there are a variety of different techniques. It depends uh, on the situation. All right. And, and then what, what does somebody do when they think they're being stalked? Is it, are the parameters the same? Um, it's a little, it's a little different. The basic stalking situations, first of all, most important, keep all evidence and file a police report right away. If you think you're being stalked, always, always file a police report. A lot of people think that the police won't pay attention. It doesn't matter whether they pay attention at that precise moment. You want to get the police report filed so that the, if there's an issue later on, and the police need to show up at your residence because you've dialed 911 or if mm-hmm. you're in different parts of the world, it'd be a different phone number, obviously, emergency uh, resource, that you would, um, they would know how to respond to your alarm at your residence. They would know that there's a stalking situation going on, hopefully. And so uh, if you're really being stalked and it's becoming more and more aggressive, I mentioned break-ins to vehicles, dead animals left outside the front door, things like that. That's a much more serious stalking situation. And you do want to make contact with your local police department. Uh, Certainly keep all evidence. Uh, Keep any emails that you receive if you're being threatened online. That's happening a lot today. Uh, Any threatening texts or phone messages. And uh, include that information in the police report. Take all those threats seriously. They are threats, whether it's a stalker or a person showing up uh, at work uh, with a weapon, any kind of weapon. It doesn't have to be a gun. It could be mm-hmm. any kind, mm-hmm. a knife, or um, we've had many knife situations or um, even the broken bottle I mentioned. Um, take all the threats seriously and develop a personal safety plan for yourself, particularly if you're being stalked. Never respond or engage with a stalker. Do not respond to them. The same thing with any kind of bullying, uh, harassment type of bullying at work. Don't respond to the person. Let someone else um, in the chain of command at work respond to that individual. And try to set the boundaries that you can, that you feel that you can set. Um, don't do that anymore. Don't come here. Don't leave me flowers. Um, and don't come and t- don't try and speak to me. I'm not going to be discussing things with you in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so trust your instincts. Don't play. Don't downplay the dangers that you see. Always keep your eyes and ears open, and uh, be aware of your surroundings at all times. The same that would be true for uh, international travel safety as well. By the way, 
Um, yeah, we need to take a break, Candace. I'm yep, sorry to interrupt okay. you, but uh, I would like to talk about that briefly. We mentioned that at the beginning of the hour. Uh, stay tuned for more from PI Candace Tall. We'll be returning shortly. News, opinion, Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Private investigator Candace Tall has been giving us tips on identifying the danger signals and protecting ourselves from workplace violence, stalking, and other types of violence. Candace, we were just talking about um, where you go from uh, identifying somebody stalking you, and then what? Then what do you do? And you also mentioned background investigations. Yes, yes, of course. Background checks are very important to conduct. Um, on particularly workplace violence situations, which is where they typically um, become more of an issue. That helps us to identify the threat that's going on and the risk level that may be encountered. So we, we typically look at four main risk levels from low risk, which just requires some security presence. Employees are concerned. Uh, no threat has been made yet, though, um, to medium risk where veiled threats perhaps have been made and we do want to uh, or encourage a, uh, a company to have armed protection. That's typically more where the person uh, may have a history of performance issues and some aggression uh, types of behavior, aggressive behaviors, plus the veiled threats. And then high risk, direct threats have been made. Definitely you would want to have armed security presence. That is not the same as uh, security guards, patrol guards, are not armed individuals and they can only observe and report a, uh, a problem uh-huh. to, to local law enforcement. Uh, whereas armed protection personnel can intervene and actually do something um, 
to assist in the situation and to prevent the violence from continuing. And then to extreme, that would be the highest level. Extreme risk would be pretty much an active shooter. And that really does require an armed or SWAT type of response from local law enforcement. Um, I just I just wanted to mention one other, a couple other quick things. Uh, when we were talking about the stalking earlier, it's just important because I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there uh, may be concerned about stalking and then come back to the background checks. Okay. And that is to do change your, your routine daily if you think you're being stalked and certainly if you think you're being threatened. Always make sure that you're changing your routine daily, where you go, how you get there. Uh, if you're driving or if you're taking public transport, change your way of getting there. Change the times of day that you go into work. Uh, let your supervisor know if you need to change your work hours at all. Reach out to crisis and support lines. Uh, there's so much more that I can't possibly cover in an hour. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, you're certainly welcome to contact Francie or myself later uh, if you're listening here. If you're at home, install a CCTV system. If you're at work, your company probably already has a CCTV installation. If you think the person is coming to the workplace but isn't entering the workplace yet. And then uh, obtain a temporary restraining order. We do encourage our clients to get a temporary restraining order. It does help the police to uh, to make an arrest. And if you don't have a TRO and uh, threats occur, the police may wonder why you're not getting a, a restraining right. order, which That's is just right. a civil document. So um, on the background checks, those are some of the things. We're looking for the history of aggression. We're looking for themes in the person's background. Do they have, uh, in their driving history, for example, obviously their criminal history, if they have criminal uh, convictions, we would want to know that. Do they have road rage, exa- uh, for example, um, various types of reckless driving, uh, DUIs, of course, and um, ha- do they have concealed weapons that might show up in a driving history? Um, those are not typically available in other countries. And then we also want to know, do they, have they made prior threats at other, uh, other uh, employers? Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things that we look for in a background check. And, of and course, uh, there's a long list of what we really look for. And we briefly touched on international travel. So none of these mm-hmm. things that we've been talking about are available to protect you on international travel. Can you touch on that um, before we are, have to close? Sure. Um, I would say... As far as possible, dress like locals. If you're traveling, try to blend in. Um, for example, in Europe, in the winter, people are wearing dark colors, leather, um, jackets and so forth to protect against the elements. Try to blend in uh, rather than looking like you've come from another country. Try to carry only one credit card. Limit the cash and jewelry that you carry with you, of course. If you're taking a trip... Uh, do let someone know where you're going. It's very difficult. Many times we get called to find people because they just can't be located at all. Mm-hmm. And they, if they're being, if they've been kidnapped, it's very complicated trying to find the person. So let people know who you, where you're going and who you're going with. In some countries, you you would prefer to. Um, you may need to have an armed car, for example. Currently, in certain parts of Mexico, obviously, there that's a problem. Uh, secure your home whilst you're away. Pickpockets in other countries are the, the main issue that most people, most travelers are dealing with. That's more of a, a nuisance than anything else. Uh, but do be aware that taxi cabs are not safe in every country. Um, some taxi cabs in, in some countries are involved in organized crime, uh, including 
human trafficking, mm-hmm. sex slave tra- trafficking, organ donation trafficking. So those are some of the things to be aware of. So uh, it's certainly fine to go away and have a great time, but do be aware of your surroundings at all times. Uh, if you're traveling in the U.S. Uh, or just in general, uh, some takeaways for you would be uh, don't give out your date of birth. That's a key identifier. Mm-hmm. Your driver's license number and your social security number. Most people know about uh, the last one. If um, always, always, always be aware that there are warning signs for violence. If you see that, definitely escalate that type of issue within the organization that you're in. Um, I've just started on some of the takeaway items. If yes, uh, yes, please, listeners. I know we're running low on time here. Trust your instincts. Don't ignore them. Your instincts are really what ultimately will protect you in life. Uh, and certainly if you're traveling, that will be a, a key factor for you. Uh, be aware of your surroundings at all times. Note things that don't look like things that look, uh, uh, excuse me, look like they're out of place. Be aware of that and seek ho- uh, help from local law enforcement, particularly again, if you're traveling internationally. Um, if you're at work and you note threatening behaviors, write them down, get help, um, be factual in your documentation of the problem. And if you're involved in a, in a situation externally, uh, outside on the street, for example, get the license plate of the car uh, of the, that the person's driving. Most people in the U.S. are driving, so that's an important piece of information to get. Um, the person has uh, attacked you for some reason. If you can, um, note, make note of that and the physical description of the person, obviously. And then practice, practice safety techniques for yourself, whether you're at home, at work, or traveling. Sef- safety techniques are most important to you. Um, learn self-defense. Take a self-defense class. Protect yourself and make sure that you are uh, wherever you are and wherever you're going, that someone knows where you are. Uh, even if you're going out on a date uh, at night and you think you know the person, let a friend know your phone number and where you where you think you're going to be. And uh, if you're with, involved with bullies or intimidators, try to set as clear boundaries with them as, as you possibly can and don't engage with them. All very good points. Very good points. Thank you, Candace. This has been uh, quite enlightening, and I hope that our listeners um, will take really take note of their personal safety because I think uh, I'm, for one, am guilty of not letting people know where I am, and so I think that's very good advice. Wonderful. It's easy as an investigator to forget some of those things, isn't it? It is. It <laughs> but is. They're very, very key for everybody. And we're often going into areas that probably somebody should know where we're going. Exactly. We go there. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'd like to just mention our featured sponsor of the week for PIs Declassified is PI Magazine. If you're a private investigator or are interested in topics explored by private investigators, subscribe to PI Magazine. You can get that at www.pimagazine.com. Again, www.pimagazine.com. And next week, March 29th, former FBI agent Eric O'Neill will be my guest. Eric was the agent who was involved in the exposure of FBI spy Robert Hansen, the subject of the movie documentary Breach. Very excited about this show. So again, tune in next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Candace. Thanks, Francie. 
You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.